Hey everybody, Melissa McKenzie, the publisher of the Spectacle and the American Spectator, of course, with my co-host and the very good-looking man from Louisiana, Scott McKay, bearded Wait, I and all. Work on her from last week to get to this. <laughs> I know. Um, so Scott McKay, who is Reviver.com, R-E-V, was it? R-V-I-V-R. R-I-V-R. I, you know what? That's difficult for me. It's R the word reviver, but we got rid of the ease because it saved us $50,000 buying the domain. I see. Okay. And also the Hayride, of course, which is he's the expert on all things Louisiana and, um, and national politics for that matter, which is why we're both here. And this week, uh, we are going to start on something utterly frivolous, but I think it's important. We did talk about it last week. Scott probably is skeptical about whether we should talk about it at all, but I think one of, one of the... Um, I'm willing to indulge Melissa in this for a little while. <laughs> indulging me. So he's <laughs> indulging me. But what I want to talk about to you guys is that the I think an undersung cultural... Um, impact like a cultural impact uh story is the story of the sister wives it's a tv show i can't remember if it's like i'm you know what weird network it's on um but this show and and when the, it started it was kind of like all um happy happy uh, fun, fun with these three women who were married to this one guy, his name is Cody something and, uh, had a whole slew of kids and they all talked about how great it was. And I remember watching that first and second season and it was right. Um, it all started right around with all of the, um, you know, gay, gay marriage stuff was happening right at that time. And the slippery slope, that everybody thought was going to happen and kind of the certain things were decriminalized uh, regarding uh, polygamy was that the next thing that was going to happen was, um, uh, you know, people having more polygamy and polyamory and all of that. But this show has been fantastic. It has been absolutely revelatory any idiot man who thinks that this might be a good idea w will be checking his priors after watching this show and what and women too um who watch the show because it's horrible so when at the beginning cody had his this first wife they got married when they were young they had one or two kids normal and then they're part of the sect um, this Mormon sect where they believe that you can have expanded love if you have, you know, that you learn the love of God more if you have more spouses. And so they brought one and then another woman into the uh, marriage <laughs> and had like, this guy had three houses and they had visitation schedules going back and forth. It's really interesting. One of the wives was like completely content with it because she was very independent and only wanted to see this guy like once a week anyway. And, uh, but over time, uh, they, 
he, of course, got dissatisfied with having three different women. That just wasn't enough for this guy. So he um, dated, found this younger woman. And that's when the everything went totally off the rails. And he and of course, she's the favorite. She's younger and and spoiled and um, used to certain things, which most women would expect as a bare minimum in a marriage and um, wasn't too into this whole group thing. And so basically, uh, all these families fell apart. And this guy is trying to, not very hard, I would say, make these women happy. And um, the other interesting thing is this, uh, a couple of the older wives who'd been around for longer became good friends and are good friends even after they've divorced him or whatever the relationship was. It, 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 it was kind of strange. So he was married to his first wife and then they had these marriages to these subsequent women that I don't know were legal marriages, but they were, you know, in name and probably common law marriages. And, um, or maybe she divorced, the first one divorced him so he could legally marry these next one. I can't remember how they did it all, but needless to say, he had all these wives. The, the, the And then they ended up not together and they've all divorced him. And now one of the women is, I think remarried to someone else after dumping him and kind of like the cascade started once these women started, um, you know, the dating someone else and, and then whatever, then now he's left with the youngest wife. Right. And kind of flummoxed by how this all happened to him, <laughs> which I really love. Like, he's just like, this is a big mystery for this guy. Why all this happened, but what's been great culturally is that it's kind of like what um, Teen Mom did, the MTV show Teen Mom did for, uh, you know, having children out of wedlock. This show has absolutely exposed right. polygamy for what it actually is, which is... Right. Demystifies a, the entire thing. Oh, yeah. my goodness. And the, the trauma that is inherent in the system, you know, in the New Testament where it says that a deacon can only be the husband of one wife. You watch this show and you can completely see the wisdom uh, of the apostle Paul there talking about it because this does not work. So, you know, Scott, you said something when we were off camera last week that was, I thought, particularly insightful, which is one, one is that we all know there's a favorite, right? Mm -hmm. But what does it do to the other women um in the situation they are not there there's no such thing as equal right well I, yeah and i mean i think the big thing that I, my kind of sister wives show um was big love that was on hbo mm -hmm. i don't know maybe a decade or so ago it was bill paxton mm -hmm. um and he had you know, three wives on the show and like Jean Triplehorn was the oldest one and Chloe Savigny was the second wife and then Jennifer Goodwin was like the young kind of mm -hmm. chippy who came along, right? And mm -hmm. he had kids with all of them and mm -hmm. 
the show, you know, he's like a car dealer and he wants to get into politics, but he's trying to hide the fact that he's married to these straight women. Mm -hmm. And so it was like complications on top of complications upon on top of complications. Um, you know, and it like the whole thing is just a disaster, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that uh even though it was kind of a comedy type show and every season was sort of a bigger and bigger disaster that mm -hmm. um that it portrayed there was a, a good deal of realism in that in that mm -hmm. you know it's kind of a, almost an unnatural relationship to to have like multiple spouses all over the place mm -hmm. because you know nobody gets the kind of attention that they expected out of it right. like the guy probably does but most guys would tell you that it's too much attention, right? Because mm, maybe like I'm not about sure. Positive attention. And then after that, the attention that comes beyond that is negative attention, right? And then right. you get to the point where, you know, you start feeling like Tiger Woods, where it's like, she has opinions about everything. Right. And not all of those opinions are any good for me. Why does she keep talking? Right. And right. when there's like three of them that all have that and then they talk to each other and then they gang up on you and what like I don't see how anybody would actually want this. I mean, if you're in a you know, a Mormon sect that, you know, teaches that it's a good thing, or if you're a Muslim and it's like, you know, they teach this, then I guess she's like, Okay, well, this is, you know, my duty to God is to maintain this or whatever, but just being a guy, um, I don't think the polygamy thing is really uh, all that attractive, right? I think it's I think it's one of those things that's attractive in theory, like a guy wanting to you know have sex and ha there's two women. And they're like, okay, Ooh, that yeah, sounds like, like a variety. really good idea. Yes, and there's, and then, there's another word for that that actually is much more attractive particularly like modern western guys and that word is like spinning plates meaning <laughs> right i got all these women and nobody puts too much pressure on me if i want to take them out for a date and we end up having sex or whatever that's great right. but they know that eh, it might be a couple of weeks before we do this again right don't expect too much because that's what's on the table right and they're mm -hmm. fine with it because he's a cool guy and whatever and it's like you know they value the time they spend with him you know how many guys can pull that off for like a long time with? I would say that having? not even it's that works. Not much. Like, right. you know, eventually they look for monogamy mm -hmm. and maybe they can make that work and maybe they can. Mm -hmm. But the but the presence of multiple women in a guy's um, life who know that each other are there. Right. There's not a lot of cultural references or or even, you know, like anecdotal stuff from your personal life that you can bring to the table to make an argument that, hey, this this really does work. I mean, people really like it. No, they don't. Right. <laughs> it's a disaster. And the vast majority of men will tell you what they're looking for is a much simpler and less complex life. Right. It is a series of tasks that can be accomplished and like obstacles that can be overcome. Mm -hmm. And when you throw all of that into the mix, it mm -hmm. becomes impossible and exhausting. Um, and, you know, is like a recipe for failure. And I, yeah, I, like, 
I don't know that I mean, there's a reason that when we were all saying, oh, my God, they're going to do gay marriage. And the next thing we're going to get is polygamy. There's a reason it ended up in pedophilia and transgenderism rather mm-hmm. than polygamy. And it's because nobody really wants to make polygamy work. Well, like, nobody really wants to do that. Maybe the Muslims do. But the fact of the matter is most Muslims come to the West. And they don't do the, the right. multiple marriages because they don't have to. Right. Right. Um, you know, and a lot of that is, I, I think it's, it, it has more to do with the women than the men. I mean, there's well, plenty sure. of guys that are like, whoa, we're going to have sex with more than one woman. That's probably a good idea. And they didn't even think right. about the All negative of consequences of that. The women are like, I'm not sharing him with her. And then, you know, like, so you just can't pull that off. And so if you're, you know, let's, let's say you're, you know, whatever, you're an Arab who lives in America and grew up here or whatever, and you're going to meet some girl in college and she's also, you know, Muslim or whatever. Yeah. Lots of luck saying, oh, by the way, I'm going to marry two or three others too. It's like, no, you're not. Right. And the thing is, you're not going to do it in America. And second of all, you're not dragging me to Algeria where you can pull that off. Well, the, the, the other thing I've seen, because, um, one of my kids' best friends was Muslim. And they, she had um, very strict parents and they have a network, you know, these educated uh, Muslim parents where they kind of be like, somebody over here says, oh, I have a kid. I know my nephew is doing this. He's about the right age. And and they kind of work to to facilitate relationships. But I could promise you, this girl's father would not be okay in the least with his daughter playing second fiddle with anyone. And I pity the fool who tried to make that happen. So, you know, I don't know if that, you know, if that's a, a, an American thing, but like, I can't well, even. Well, it's, a, it's a Western thing. Right. It's a Western because in, you know, Saudi Arabia or whatever, it's the culture is totally different. Right. right. And the way people think of daughters mm-hmm. in Saudi Arabia yeah. is, it doesn't matter if you're the only wife or if you're one of several wives. What matters is how good's the husband. Right. 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 Because if he's good enough that he handles four women, then that's you want that guy. Right. right. Um, and like nobody thinks about that in America. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what you get with the, you know, the people that would want to do the whole polygamy thing, most of which I guess here would be Mormons. Um, you know, it, these Mormon sects that do it tend to be like out in the middle of nowhere and, um, you know, I don't want to say, you know, rednecks or country people or whatever, but it's, it's not an upscale thing. Well, and it's, and as sense. it turns out, it's miserable. So like, I, I, that's yeah. why I love the show because it's so revealing and so insightful to right. human nature and everything that anybody who ever might think that it's a, an appealing idea, no. if they watch all these seasons, no. they're going to be dissuaded about that. You it's met- entirely too complicated to even think about something like that. Well, and I'll put it to you this way: like because you know I'm still more or less in the in the you know dating pool. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine finding three women or four women 
that I was like, yeah, I'll take that group and put them together. You're killing me. <laughs> it's I, I like I can't even to, to that to me. It's like it's like a prison sentence that you're signing yourself up for. Mm-hmm. Nobody, nobody would want to do it. And, and <laughs> you know, and look, I don't want to go back on my whole usual kick. Like the culture in this country mm-hmm. is sends such signals to uh, women, particularly young women or single women, like, I mean, it's basically the culture is telling women, be disagreeable. It's fine. You go girl, like that whole thing. Right. So you're going to put three or four of them together with one guy. That guy's got to be a masochist of the first order to put up with like the people in America that are like out there that you could get. I, I don't know how that would work. There, there's this story, and like every TV station in America grabbed this thing, mm-hmm. and it's uh, this, uh, and it was like the the way this story. I think it was a CNN piece originally. You know, Jeannie Moos did the CNN piece. Like they give, like she used to do like political stuff that was important, and now they give her like the dregs of the stories that they get. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was all about. I think it was in Atlanta. Um, this girl who goes on a first date with a guy and she orders four dozen oysters proceeds to eat them all and he likes excuses himself to go to the bathroom and takes off Mm -hmm. and the deal is is he said hey let's go have a drink for a first date and she's like oh okay (laughs) leave this guy dry and he's like i'm not having that and so he takes off and she's acting like she, oh, that was so like, horrible. Is she acting like she's the victim here? Yes, absolutely. What? And the guy was like, I never said we were going to dinner. I said drinks. She started right. ordering oysters and expected me to pay for them. And so I was like, no, I'm not doing that. Right. And it was like, mm, you know, first of all, uh, he's, I'd say he's right. But why in the hell would you go on a date with this girl in the first place? You had to know that that's who she was. And then, you know, you can see her and you can absolutely tell that's who she was. Oh, really? How oh. could you tell? Huh? How could you um, tell? I don't want to say, but if you run across this piece, you will instantly know. Okay. Hmm. Um, okay. Well, I mean, it... that she's, let's, I mean, she's like, um, she's like Megan the Stallion meets uh, Paris Hilton, let's say. Okay. Um, so, right. So it's like the ultimate toxic femininity was like Mm -hmm. on display. And of course she's the victim, but, but she loves the fact that she's on TV. Oh, sure. Right. And, and so, um, this thing shows up on social media and Mm -hmm. every time it does, there's a massive threat about it. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's straight down the middle. All of the guys are like, that shit right there right and all the girls like well i don't know what's so bad about it it's i and I'm the girls are saying have- that i mean well, come on that's just i mean that's just- the single women are saying the married women are like oh, forget that like she's awful right uh, but the whole point is i'm bringing this up because it's like these are the people that you would have to choose from if you tried to get multiple freaking wives as a guy. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to do that. Nobody. I mean, the biggest thing, if you go look at like 
the dating podcasts and stuff like that. The biggest thing that's being talked about now is not the whole polygamy piece. It's the single women saying, oh, my God, where are all the good guys? Right. And they're talking mm -hmm. about so there's the men going their own way thing and there's all this other kind of stuff. And it's because these cultural signals have made it to the point where so many guys are just dropping out of the market because they're just like, I'm not interested. And so, well, point, there's a, the but, thing is, there's a combination there. I think there's two oh, things that are. No, there totally is. I'm just saying at the same like, time. Like there is no movement toward public polygamy in this country whatsoever. No, it's actually going the entire opposite way. Well, it's going the opposite way, and it's going into perversion. I mean, oh, what agreed. what we're seeing is is guys who are it's a, it's a different pandora's box is what it is right we're seeing guys uh avoid real human interaction mm -hmm. interact with porn online and then you know degrading themselves into you know looking for cheap thrills into pedophilia is what we're seeing more and so like and I don't think, and and maybe this, you know, I don't know how you feel about this, but I don't think the average guy who gets caught with the pedophilia stuff would have, uh, without the internet, been the type of guy to go search for it. There's a small percentage who are psychos and would, but I think that the ubiquity of the kind of evil shit that's online is is making is pulling people in who if they had to work for this kind of perversion would not do it it's well, a real there's problem no, there's no counterbalance when you're not actually part of a community of other human beings right when you can be by yourself in front of a computer screen and there's mm -hmm. nobody like looking in to say mm -hmm. hey that's gross don't do that mm -hmm. anybody can go down a rabbit hole and end up mm -hmm. in a lot of trouble and so that's you know, that's not good. Um, well, I think it's warping then the men who do oh, end up in the market for a woman, what their expectations are. So you have these hyper-masculinized yeah. women who, who may not look masculine, but in their actions are masculine. And then you have these men who ambitioned themselves by being so morally depraved that they can eye of all of their, you know, the things that they've done. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I, that you, that is, that, is, I mean, that is the, um, the single scene in America in a nutshell. Yeah. Right. Um, and, is, can I just say, we've talked about this before, but I want to bring up a solution for parents. Mm -hmm. This, I want to talk to parents about this just for a brief moment, because it's one thing that I'm really upset with conservative parents. First off, conservative parents, stop telling your daughters that their key to happiness and success is becoming an engineer or, you know, going right. into STEM or making a million dollars. These young ladies who are doing this are setting themselves up and you are setting your children up for failure by talking this way. Now I understand you're worried about your daughter being with a low quality guy and then being helpless to, you know, um, have a good situation. But the problem is, is that by 
training your talking in the way that you're talking to your daughters. And I'm talking specifically to conservative parents who are doing yeah, this. People who actually believe in a family. Who believe in a family. You are unwittingly reinforcing, first off, a pure, unadulterated lie. Now, I have been a professional woman all my life, um, some out of necessity and some because of how I got educated. And nothing that I've done professionally, whether as a doctor or now as a publisher of a you know magazine, even compares to motherhood. And so for young women to be hearing the messages from their mothers, from their fathers, you know, men are bad, it is a terrible message because these young women are confused. And then they go into the uh, academic arena and they keep hearing all of this bad stuff about men and also about how women are victims and how motherhood is terrible. You know, the, you know, women like need men like uh, fish need bicycles and, um, you know, motherhood is slavery and all this stuff when that actually is the thing that's going to give them the most fulfillment and long-term is going to be the thing that is their greatest success because a high quality woman is going to be a high quality mother. And, yep. and she's going to find satisfaction in that. I've found satisfaction in that. You know, I have three grown children now. They're all wonderful human beings and really nothing in my professional life even comes close to the um, journey that I've had as a person, my self-development, let's just be selfish here, as a person, mothering three kids, very unique individuals, and to adulthood. And so like, but conservative parents are, are doing this too. And they're harming yeah. their children. And then the boys, they're warning, you know, every woman is a viper, and scaring the crap out of young men and not necessarily unjustifiably. I've had conversations with my boys, but the thing is, is that they're going to find satisfaction and, and happiness taking care of a woman and having a family and having that kind of solid foundation. And they're not going to find it sleeping around and being a complete man whore. You know, it, it's just not going to give them what they want. And so both men and women are being given uh, really bad advice. And so we have very unhappy, a, a, a young generation who is unhappy and miserable and can't figure out why. And they're doing all the wrong things. And so like, I put this really a lot on the mothers and, and I will say this with my own daughter, as much as I told her this message and I did constantly, I'm like, nothing you ever do is going to matter as much um, as being a mother. It's nothing is going to, nothing's harder. I mean, it's hard. Don't get me wrong. It's the toughest thing I've ever had to do, but anything really great is. You know, if, you know, yeah. the people who feel good about themselves climbing Mount Everest feel good because it's not everybody can do it and it's a challenge yeah. and you have to work for it. And that's what parenthood really is. And so anyway, I just wanted to say that because, you know, we have conservative, conservative listenership, but I have been shocked sometimes at the feedback I've received 
from various readers saying, well, I couldn't take my kids out of this liberal school because how would they get into an Ivy League school? Or I couldn't take my kids right. out and do this, or I couldn't make this choice for them. That's it, like, you know, please unplug from the matrix because right. you're you're focusing on all the wrong things. Um, I mean, you know, and I guess that kind of maybe is a little bit of a segue into the second thing yeah. that we wanted to talk about today, which is, and it's kind of wide open, particularly at the elite universities, uh, you know, these supposedly like super smart people um, mm -hmm. and these really well-educated folks are demonstrating in the streets in favor of Hamas. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, like you you have these super well-educated elite Americans who are throwing in with utter barbarians. Right. Uh, who, you know, are given billions of dollars to build a society in Gaza and instead will literally break open the streets of the city and take the water pipes out so that they can make rockets. Mm hmm. Okay, they like, you know, well, there's the in, there's very little, you know, working plumbing uh, in Gaza. And it's like, yeah, because like in the ghetto, they steal all the copper wiring from mm -hmm. the freaking air conditioners. All right. In Gaza, they go down into those sewers and they steal all the piping from the plumbing so that they can make rockets to shoot at Israeli citizens. All right. And kids at Harvard are demonstrating mm -hmm. for these people. Um, it, it's, you it's, know, it shouldn't be shocking. You know what irritates me, Scott, about this is that we been new, you know, to use a modern term. This is right. the leftists in America are wholly anti-Semitic. It has okay. been a problem on campuses. One of my uh, kids' friends who went to Berkeley was having to, you know, walk, navigate the minefield of these psycho uh, terrorist supporting demonstrators. Um, and it was wholly anti-Semitic. This is not new. This is on e almost every single campus. And meanwhile- I think it's the, worse now than it's been- Oh, you know, it's terrible now. But it's been, it, now it's just being revealed. It's been there for a long time. But, you know, you have- uh, modern you know leftist jews who are who have been talking about the anti-semitism for the right and i'm like what are you talking about you know uh, one of one of the guys on twitter was saying how um the venn diagram of the far right uh you know white supremacists and the um the leftist uh anti-semites i'm like anti-semites i'm like who do you think the clan was at the beginning Democrats. The, the Venn diagram is a big circle because it's not ever changed. And so, you know, I'm sorry that this is, you know, bursting your bubble, but on the right, anti-Semitism has not been a problem. And not, not in any real tangible way. And I've been in this movement a long time and known a lot of people. You don't, you know, whether it was the Tea Party or whatever you're talking about, you, it just wasn't an issue. But you go on any college campus, you go into academia, you go into uh, the legal field, you go into just about anywhere, and it's rampant. And that's oh, yeah. all on the left, all educated leftists. 
Well, what I notice, and I mean, voting patterns bear this out, but what I notice is the more religious, particularly Jewish people are, it's true of Christians, obviously, as well, but mm -hmm. the more religious, uh, you know, the Jewish person, the mm -hmm. more likely they're going to be conservative. Right. And the more secular they are, the more likely they are to be to the left. And this is starting to play out in a very absurd manner, which mm -hmm. is that um, you have, I mean, when they had the, uh, the, the Hamas insurrection at the Capitol, I guess a week or two ago, mm -hmm. half of that crowd was Jewish kids, mm -hmm. you know, and they had all these signs, you know, Jews for Palestine. And it's like, Okay. Now they also mm -hmm. had, you know, trans for Palestine. Well, I, it's just and so it's like, inane. It's like um, I don't think yeah. you know a lot about what you're protesting about because, frankly, if they dropped you in Gaza, you would wish you're in Israel very quickly. Um, yeah. and I, you know, I, I think that's just. To me, every time I see this stuff, and particularly on college campuses, I mean, the number one thing I look at is like, could we please defund these universities? Right. Could we stop spending money making things worse? Because what they are teaching, we should not be spending any money on. I mean, it gets right. back to like this whole thing about, you know, for a long time, or not that long, but I mean, for long enough, kind of conservatives lost the um, the uh, the the verve or thrill of fiscal conservatism, mm -hmm. okay? And I think maybe we're beginning to get it back because what you start to realize is that when you fund these institutions too much, they get corrupt, and then the things you're funding are the exact opposite of what the institution was supposed to do. Any Western uh, university or college that is uh, full of pro-Palestinian protesters Mm -hmm. That's a place that's gotten way too damn much money for way too damn long because they have gone out and they have hired people who are patently stupid and utterly evil to go corrupt the minds of kids. And what they're teaching is barbarianism, okay? Mm -hmm. Because there's nothing, nothing about Gaza or the people who live there that is worth demonstrating for nothing that well, if they know if they know about it but the problem is is well, i don't know anything they don't That's know anything point. i mean they are being made ignorant in class yes okay and we are overfunding all of these institutions that are doing that and you're creating an entire generation of people mm -hmm. who are programmed they're not educated okay right. they know they know nothing about israel and palestine and Gaza, they think, oh, well, Gaza is an open air prison. And it's like Gaza could be pre-Civil War Beirut for all the money that gets dumped in there. It's oh, an yeah. open air prison because Hamas makes it an open air, open air prison. OK. And because the people in Gaza are so filled up with hate for not just Israel, but everyone else. Right. OK. And, and nobody, wants, nobody wants them, by the way. Egypt doesn't want them. No, Jordan the doesn't want, want them. The Jordanians don't want them. The Syrians don't Iraq want them. Iraq doesn't want, want them. them. Nobody wants. Nobody wants. Nobody wants them. You know why? They know exactly who the people in Gaza exactly. are. Exactly. They know exactly how toxic that place is. They know exactly how much money has been pumped into there. And yes, the Iranians 
uh, prop up Hamas, and Hamas is a is a, a you know not just a terrorist organization, but they're also a bunch of tyrants. But here's mm -hmm. the thing: the people of Gaza could have deposed Hamas mm -hmm. for all of the suffering that Hamas imposes on them when they fight Israel. Mm -hmm. They could have absolutely fought Hamas. Hamas is not a big organization, comparatively speaking. It's 2.3 million people in Gaza. They could overwhelm mm -hmm. Hamas any minute now and say, okay, now we're going to have a peaceful society that coexists with the Israelis. Turn the power back on. Turn the water back on. Let's, you know, let's get this done, right? Mm -hmm. And let's see how much Western money would pour in to a, a Gaza that actually wanted to be living, you know, as a, as a mm -hmm. peaceful society. They don't want it. No. They don't want it. And for American universities to be so full of ignoramuses, they're going to demonstrate in the streets on behalf of these people who the only thing that stops them from engaging in war with the Israelis is the fact that they just got their ass kicked the last time they engaged in war with the Israelis. Okay. Right. And this whole thing is a propaganda effort designed to stop Israel from sending the ground troops into Gaza and clearing out Hamas once and for all, or at least for a while. That's all this is about. Right. So these, I mean, like, I'd almost call them useless idiots because right. they're not useful. I mean, like, who are they even useful to? They're not useful to the people of Palestine or Gaza, rather. Mm -hmm. Those people are going to suffer even more over the long haul for the fact that Hamas is going to end up continuing if the Israelis don't ignore the protesters on American university campuses. Well, so this whole thing is so pernicious yep. and so disgusting. You know, and the way I look at it is, okay, so now this ought to be a lesson that you learn. This is what you get when you overfund these freaking places and you let them go and hire double the faculty and staff that they should have. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and so they hire a bunch of radical idiots that enforce a culture which is utterly toxic on these campuses. And you end up with people graduating from college who are worthless. Right. And the interesting thing is, and I heard there was like a radio report that was driving in the car. And they're talking about how um, you now have like kids on college campuses who are screaming because these, um, these, you know, corporations or whatever are now looking through their social media. Right. And oh my God, you know, like if I, protested for Hamas, mm -hmm. I can't get hired by IBM, right? Mm -hmm. And it's like, yeah, like no kidding. They don't like they don't want people that are going to do that in their corporation because they know that those are the people who have been utterly programmed to death. Mm -hmm. And you have to deprogram somebody if you're going to make them even a remotely halfway decent employee. And it's like, well, yeah, but that's not fair. And it's like, no, what's not fair is mm -hmm. that somebody dragged you into this idiocy in the first place. Yeah. And what you should do is you should go to that campus, that university, and ask for your damn tuition money back. Ultimately, we're going to get to this point, but like this comes back to a Republican Party that needs to learn how to lead because there's a perfect opportunity to say, that's it. We're not doing this anymore. We're going to start defunding these places that are this corrupt that right. our maybe number one ally in the world is, you know, was attacked and is fighting their own war. 
And we've got people on our college campuses demonstrating against our allies. Mm. We can't even get rid of Rashida Tlaib in Congress. Yeah, well, well, the thing is with all of this is that like in, in the United States, of course, the Biden administration is doing the, the worst of all things. Trump had had cut off the six billion or funding, whatever, to to the Palestinians because he knew that it was all terrorism. And the what, the smart thing they did with, with the Abraham Accords is they just took the Palestinians out of the equation totally. I, I, you know, when Jared Kushner came to a Saturday evening club dinner, he talked about how that they got that done by having all of these various countries talk to the Israelis um, and just take Palestine out of it because there's just no way to have this discussion and say, what is the path forward? You know, my concern right. is that all of that will be undone. And there's also the element of, um, this is the first time I've seen this as well, Israel helped the Turks, I guess it was, um, uh, against the Armenians and Azerbaijan against the, the Armenians. Armenians are one of the oldest, if not the oldest Christian community in the world. And that is causing some animus. And then Israel bombing a church in Gaza, that sort of thing. I think Israel if also- in fact, they actually bombed the church. Because I don't think they, I don't think they admitted to bombing the church. Well, they didn't admit it, but I don't know the proof. Well, I mean, you know, I, I referenced this hospital that supposedly the Israelis bombed. Well, that, that was missile from right the, the Palestinians, and you know, landed in a parking lot rather than on the hospital. And they said, "Well, it killed 471 people." And it's like, right, can no. you show us 471 bodies? And they could show like four. Right. No, I mean, I'm not talking, that was obviously baloney. And I, you know, the thing that irritated me about that, as I'm seeing NPR and AP and everybody come through and just blurt it, it was so obviously bullcrap to me that I never even uh, shared the story that, that Israel bombed the hospital because it just, it, it smelled wrong. Right. Now, but the thing is, is that I do think that Israel does have to check itself before it wrecks itself when it's coming to some of these other uh, uh, other things, because Christians are sitting there going, one thing that has happened in Israel that has not traditionally happened in Israel is a lot of animosity um, towards the Christian members there in Israel. And that is, I'm sorry, but American Christians pay attention to that and are like, eh? So yeah. they can't afford, Israel cannot afford to piss off the world Christian community because I got bad news yeah, for you. It, that is their lifeline. That is their lifeline. And yeah. so like, that's, there is some criticism to be had there. And there has to be this kind of um, generosity of spirit that has existed, especially among conservative Christians in America for Israel and Jewish people generally. Mm -hmm. That better be returned or else there, there's a problem. It's kind of like well, I've always joked about women with men, right? Like at any time, men can take away the right to vote and just, you know, do everything to you know, will to power. If they, you know, they they have the physical strength to do it. You have to understand your place at a certain point. That you know, that's why Smith and Wesson is the great equalizer. You know, 
um, because might makes right. Well, that's also the case here. I mean, Israel does not have many friends. And in that region now, its enemies are strengthened. It's not ni the 1960s anymore. This is not 1967. And um, so they have to, they have to be wise. Um, they've got people who are armed all around them. And, and this makes me concerned. Well, and, and it, I, I, I think, um, you know, there's a certain amount of, well, okay, we need to play the Christians off against the Muslims a little here because we're surrounded by Muslims, really, not Christians. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you back the Turks against the Armenians, the Azerbaijanis against the Armenians, and mm -hmm. maybe that buys some currency with, mm -hmm. you know, some of the Muslims and, you know, this kind of thing. I mean, the problem is, okay, Israel is part of the Western world. Right. All right. And you can't really change that. Okay. The Eastern, if you're Israel, the Eastern world doesn't want you. The Eastern world is what's been trying to, you know, from the river to the sea. Right. Okay. Um, and so you really have to you have to hew to your allies because mm -hmm. it turns out that the Christians are a lot more powerful than the Muslims. And if you're if you're the Israelis, then you need to be cognizant of that, that, hey, these guys actually are our friends and they can whip the ass of the Muslims pretty much at will. OK, so that's the side. Right to be on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's the side to be on. And. You know, double American, dealing. But the American Jews don't get that, though. The What's secular, that? secular American Jews don't get that, and and haven't. There, there's this this mind blindness about it, and it's interesting what you said earlier. The Orthodox, the more Orthodox Jews, the more conservative Christians, the more conservative Jews, totally um, have that kind of. Um, well, and, and, and to a large measure, I mean, the more, you know, the more um, uh, the more religious you are as either a as a Christian or a Jew, uh, the closer together you're brought because of the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. You know, it's the same book. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's just it's bigger for Christians, but the, the moral lessons are very similar. Right. Um, and so, you know, it's. And I don't want to get into theological. Uh, here's the thing: the thing unarmed is, when we, we talk about that, but the right. fact of the matter is, the more religious you are, um, the you know the more um, ecumenical spirit you're going to find with um, with people uh, across that you know divide between Christianity and Judaism. I think it's less true with Islam. Um, but even that, you know, with all the cultural stuff, the transgender stuff and the teaching yeah, in the schools well, and stuff that has, you, know, you can, so, you can certainly ally Christians, uh, Mos Muslims and, and Jews against the woke religion. I don't think there's any question about that. And that's where the, the weirdest part of all of this is mm -hmm. all of these lefties in America who are trying to equate, you know, woke left religion with the cause of the Palestinians it's insane. Does not work. Okay. I'm sorry, no. but that is never going to freaking make it. And it, of course it's, it's evidence and we can kind of move on to the third thing. Cause I, I you know, um, that we wanted to talk about is like, this stuff is not working. Okay. Like none of right. it is working. Like the woke religion's not working. The Biden administration isn't working. Like none of this stuff works. We mm -hmm. all know it doesn't work. 
Um, and there was a poll that came out uh, Monday or Tuesday. I can't remember which. Um, and I think it was a Bloomberg morning consult poll. And it mm -hmm. was the seven swing states. Mm -hmm. Five of the seven, uh, Trump has a lead on Biden. Most of them are small, okay? They're, you know, two, three, four points or whatever. But Trump is leading Biden in all these swing states. Mm -hmm. um, and, like, I think the poll was, like, dead tied within within all the way to, to you know, a tenth of a percent. Like, both were, like, 43.9% or something like this. But Trump was winning in these, in these swing states. Um, and this is after Biden, I think the number is, spent $25 million out of his campaign fund in August and September in swing states, pushing Bidenomics and some of this other stuff. And it didn't move the needle at all. In fact, he's lost ground. Mm -hmm. um, and, I, you know, I, you take that and you you kind of spread it out across some of these cultural things uh the you know the fact that you've got i mean you, you know you still have the the auto workers strike that not, that had been uh resolved and this fact is getting worse you have you know like you know what's happened in hollywood and what a disaster that is um you've got this increasing pushback in um you know, higher education, but education as a whole. I mean, these numbers that are coming out on homeschoolers as that market grows mm -hmm. and the the difference in success academically and mm -hmm. also socially that homeschooled kids right. are having as opposed to public school kids and even to a lesser extent, private school kids. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's crazy because the old line was when those homeschool kids come out weird. Right. I, like they're weird, like they're not socially adjusted. And I always thought that was complete BS because my mm -hmm. answer was, well, let's go down to the public high school in the crappy neighborhood and let's go talk to the sophomores and let's see how well adjusted those kids are. Right. The answer is you'll take homeschool kids any day before you'll take those, you know, miscreants. Mm -hmm. But this is starting to become much more wide open. Mm -hmm. So it's, and I don't want to say like the left is in retreat because that's not really true. But mm -hmm. what's true is it's more and more obvious that their stuff does not work. Okay. These cities are freaking collapsing and you've got all these different things and something we haven't talked about on the podcast, at least I don't think we talked about it and really has gotten very little play uh, nationally, like in the legacy media or any of this stuff was when Eric Johnson, the mayor of Dallas, mm -hmm. black Democrat switched parties to Republicans. Like, I can't take okay. this in. Right. Um, there's, you know, you could play this into like what happened here in Louisiana a week and a half ago with the mm -hmm. with the um, the blowout elections here, and it's a, it's going to get worse in the runoff for the Democrats, and they're all caterwauling about how awful things are going to be, and mm -hmm. you know, nobody's listening. Um, and I know there's like special elections in all these places that the Democrats are pouring ten times the money Republicans right. are. And, right. and they're, they're, you know, crowing about it. They're winning these races. But it doesn't work. Okay. Bidenomics doesn't work. Mm -hmm. They, you know, ask people about the economy, ask people about prices, ask people about the job market, ask people about the, the housing market. And I mean, what you get is folks spitting on the floor, right? Everybody is disgusted. Nobody wants any part of it. You know, like the all, all the aspects of living within an economy. And they could show you some economic statistics that aren't really all that bad, but 
to live in the economy and what things cost and what what you can buy right like what's actually on store shelves and you know what what's available in a regular person's price range and you know are you able to get ahead keep you know keep money save money um build net worth any of that kind of, like all of those numbers from people in their individual lives are so bad they're like the worst they've been they were worse than they're worse now than they were in the late 70s that you see like you see all these things the dissatisfaction and the dysfunction that's out there is worse than ever and so when you see this poll that trump is ahead of biden in the swing states and it's not like donald trump is on some great PR campaign to soften his image and make himself more. I mean, he's the same guy that all of these independent voters are like, I'll never vote for him. And yet in the swing states, he's up. And why is this? Well, the thing that nobody will tell you is they're starting to hate Biden more. They're starting to hate Biden more. And they also, you know, they're like, well, Trump was a jerk, but while there were there wasn't a world war coming there right. wasn't you know i could pay for my gas i don't know I if you've seen this like, tweet or facebook post that's like everywhere now where it's like i'll take mean tweets in world peace right right like, that's like everywhere now right but and it's and it's legit right i mean people are like okay things were better well know? and they and, were and the thing is is yeah. like people talked about what an idiot he was and i was like was he so i mean he and even now people are saying, oh, he said nice things about Kim Jong Un because Trump said that uh, Kim Jong Un hated Biden, thought it was stupid. But I was just like, you know, he is so clever and he understands. What do we want? Do we want a guy who will say something nice about Kim Jong Un and not have missiles, you know, flying over Taiwan, or? Do we want to have to have a aircraft carrier in the, you know, Chinese, uh, you know, the Gulf of uh, Taiwan or whatever it is straight. Yeah. And in the, the boundary waters there and, right. you know, be Korean prepared... what Korean sea off the coast of, uh, of North Korea. Well, yeah. The body so, of water between Korea and Japan, Korean Sea. Right. So like all of that going on, or do we want a guy who will publicly say, you know, Putin's a tough guy and whatever, but behind the scenes be like, you touch Ukraine, I will level Moscow and that's how it's going to go. And and right. and, by, and or, uh, Putin goes, you know what? That doesn't sound good for me or my people. I think I'll mind my business. And right. the, and the thing is, is that like, who gives a crap? Like the, I don't understand. And all the neocons out there who were like, Trump is so bad, and then never Trumpers or whatever. I'm like, what do you want? I actually am starting to believe. Do you want world war? Is this what? Yeah, they do. I they, think do. they do. These people are all tools of, you know, the old military industrial complex. And, they're, you know, like it makes them happy when there's a war going on somewhere that, you know, Lockheed and Raytheon get to make their money. I mean, like that's what these guys are about. That's what they've always been about. You know, th- these are people that would have been left wing Democrats, but for the Cold War. And mm-hmm. then the Cold War ends and they need a fix. 
And so it's let's get in America involved in forever wars and let's blow trillions of dollars on uh, on utter waste, cover the world with with munitions, which is basically what has happened. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, watch the place burn and then let's pick and choose which which for the next forever wars we get involved in. Are. I, you know, I Scott, that's so cynical and so. um but it's depressing. It I, just, it I know. I just couldn't believe it for so long when people said that. I, I simply could not admit that it, that the United States leadership was that corrupt and terrible. And now I don't know that there's can possibly be any other explanation for what we what we see in this world. Right. And I, it's just so repugnant. And and then to have our young people being pro Hamas and having so little moral clarity, I, I just yeah. this is um, what we're seeing here in America is deeply distressing, and and it's all around the world. You know, we've got these demonstrations, pro Hamas demonstrations in Iraq and in Iran and all over the place and in Europe everywhere. And I'm like, what is happening? This is how bad, bad things go down. And I well, put it at the feet of Joe Biden. Because well, all of that, all of this is funded by somebody, right? Like, so right. let's, let's remember that um, probably Iran, but you know, maybe other places in the middle East as well. You got the price of oil is back up, so they got plenty of money to burn on stuff like this. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, those guys like to put pressure on Western governments. Um, and this is kind of a way to do it. Right. So, you mm -hmm. you know, you get Hamas to start a war and then you put, apply all this pressure that the Israelis aren't going to be able to prosecute it. Mm -hmm. And when, you know, uh, when um the war doesn't actually launch and they don't actually go in and mm -hmm. clear out hamas okay you get a whole bunch of you know dead people from the bombing mm -hmm. all right and then like so gaza becomes a, a complete wasteland of you know concrete rubble everywhere ah but now somebody gets to make money to fix it back up right I mean, like this is, and it's a never-ending cycle. But you got all these people that are invested in that. All of these mm -hmm. nonprofit idiots that, mm -hmm. you know, these contractors for the UN that have offices on K Street or whatever. These people have dollar signs in their eyes. They love this stuff. Yeah. Because when you get, you know, a war, then you know now you got to go provide humanitarian aid to people, and there's money in that. And then when the war ends, now you can go provide more humanitarian aid to help people rebuild mm -hmm. but do you actually help rebuild the society so that there's no not another war that's time? hell no right in 10 years they're going to be right back at it and the cycle's going to begin again and these guys are going to get the same money they're getting now mm -hmm. i mean yes that's very cynical but how like how often does this have to happen before right. you realize that those dots have connected themselves. Like we already right. know this is the case. You see it in Ukraine. Ukraine's a money laundry. Everybody knows that. Mm -hmm. far, far left, far right, everybody knows that Ukraine is a money laundry. Okay. And we also know that keeping that war going is good for business. 
Mm -hmm. even though it's an utter disaster for the people of Ukraine and the people of Russia too. Mm -hmm. Um, And by any possible evaluation, that thing should have been settled at the peace table months ago. A year ago, easily a year and a half ago. And the thing is, it's like now Russia, this is, I wrote a, not a very well-written piece. I apologize to everybody read it, but I kind of put together all of the ways that Biden has funded both sides of everything. When So in the West, the West is still getting oil from Russia. Right. Russia is actually making more money now than it did before the war on their oil sales. And, and, and the West is paying that money. Yes, it might be through India or it might be through whatever, but they're paying the money. And then you have Iran making all its munitions to go to Russia. So Iran is getting enriched via oil money from Russia. And so worse worse than that, Iran is actually developing a defense manufacturing industry between the drones and the munitions that they're supplying the Russians with. Right. And then that's not good, by the way. You don't want Iran to build a freaking high tech war machine. Right. Well, and then you have the Ukraine where we're pouring like, what is it, 60 billion has been or whatever, and they're wanting 40 billion more, and they're yep. tying up aid to Israel, and Israel's asking for all kinds of, you know, like one of the guys at the State Department who, you know, he's like quit because he didn't want to do it, was basically saying that they're asking for munitions, they're asking for weapons that are like, not even useful in the situation that they're in right now and you know what are we doing and right. and so you've got that problem we're funding them then we're giving money to hamas because any money that goes to the palestinians in aid is oh my god is money for hamas and so we're right. funding both sides yeah, and we got and we got that panama oh we're gonna make sure that hamas doesn't right. get this food. they're the oh. government of the place right of course they're gonna get the money right so like you know all the way around the world Amer- and it's the american t- taxpayer who's funding this and we're what 33 trillion dollars in debt now mm-hmm. and so going on 34 going on 34 yeah. and our the amount of money we're just spending on interest yeah. and and it's so more than the defense department budget now right so it's just like what are we doing yeah. And this is the Democrats and Biden doing all of this. And you have people, Bill Crystal, you piece of crap human, who will sit there and say that he will prefer Joe Biden any day over someone like Trump, who yeah. was peace through strength and people get to keep their money. Yeah. Well, so and he- that that's the thing. When Bill Crystal started openly endorsing Joe Biden, Mm-hmm. That was you pull the veil off of it, and now you know this right. is about war. War. It's not about ideology. It's not about economic yep. policy. It's nope. not about character. It's not about any of those things. Nope. This is about the fact that Bill Crystal wants to see dead bodies on television, and he may deny it, but it's plain as the nose on your face that that guy is about war he wants to see people dead he wants to see uh the tanks roll in some place he wants to see bombs going off on uh mm-hmm. on camera all right and he wants to see dead kids 
Bill Crystal's a member of the Dead Kids Party. Mm-hmm. Plain and simple. Well, and, the De- I mean, that's what the Democrats are, both from their cultural and social policy all the way to oh, yeah. how they are, operate around the world. Now, having said that, okay, yeah. you know, when Jim Jordan ran for speaker and didn't get it, and it was like it was war and money with the, with the people that that uh, that wouldn't give that uh, position to him. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, they, you got plenty of people on the Republican yes, side yes. of the fence who are just as guilty as Bill Crystal on this. Right. The difference is their voters are not, not happy with them because the American people, and particularly the center right, mm-hmm. has completely kind of run out of interest in war. And I don't even really put the Israeli piece uh, in, in play on this, because I think if you ask most Americans and particularly people in the center right, the answer here is not, oh, let's go fund Israel to fight this war. The answer is let's give Israel d- diplomatic cover. They can go in and win it. Exactly. Like that's what everybody I've talked to is like, I don't right. want to help them fight the war. I don't think they need it. They're up against a really crappy pseudo military and they'll have no trouble. We just need to get like clear out this way. out, let them do their job. Yeah. But it doesn't involve us spending any money. It doesn't involve us right. selling them weapons. We don't have to do any of that stuff. Just give them political um, cover to do what needs to be done once and for yeah. all and then be done with it. Which is uh, what Biden is denying them. Right. Which is what Biden is denying them. And you know, once again, it's going to cause more death it's going to cause more harm and the the potential for it to uh expand and you know when trump uh, remember that dumb commander from the um from iran who was over in uh iraq Mm -hmm. and and he got just drone strike from the sky because he wasn't where he was supposed to just boom gone you know, that kind of thing needs to happen with Hamas. It needs to just be done. And and everybody was like, oh, that's going to cause an incident. Guess what? It didn't cause an incident because you know what? All of the leaders over in Iran checked themselves before they wrecked themselves and decided, you know what? I think I'll find my P's and Q's because this guy seems to mean business. He And right. Trump didn't say a word. He didn't, you know, out the SEAL team's seal teams over there like biden just did in israel with the seal team no he he just quietly did the job sent the message and let everybody know this is what's gonna happen i told you not to come to iraq i told you to mind your business in iran and you didn't do it so goodbye and if israel was allowed to do that which they should just go forward and do that in it, you know, I think over, they've waited too long. Oh, I think they've uh, they're sitting yeah. on the border. It's too late, and now yeah. the now the um, it's kind of like when you know Bush was going over to Iraq and took forever and ever and ever. And I was saying this to someone else. I was like, you know, there were weapons of mass destruction in Iraq. They just got moved out by the time we got there. The reason we didn't find them is there were convoys into Syria with all that crap. And we right. saw it on satellite, but everybody wants to pretend. I, you know, this is the thing that's maddening. The lies that kind of get put forth on our own side. You know, it's the same thing happening in in Ukraine. Well, we don't have, you know, let's pretend that they're not. There aren't Nazi battalions over there. Well, yeah, there are. And 
yeah, they aren't good people. And yes, war is hell on both sides. And yes, this should stop. But no, we have too many people on the take in America, and it's disgusting to me, this whole thing. Yep. And we now we have a younger generation, the older generation who, is, who are fomenting these wars and everything are utterly cynical. It's all about money. The younger generation, now we're turning out uh, terrorist ideologues who have no concept of history, who don't understand why anything is being done the way it is, and by baloney. And, and that's even more dangerous because you have people actively on the side of evil. Right. Instead of right. just being like, I'm making money no matter who wins, which is what the, you know, the American leadership, both left and right is right now. We got a younger generation going, I think we should be on the part of the evil people to say, you know, to, to, uh, um, as some form of social justice because right. they're so ignorant of history and everything else. It's well, and, and in the case of like your your idiot Greta Thunbergs, it's well because the Palestinians are better for the climate than the Israelis. Well, and it's like, oh, okay. Can yeah. we stop listening to you now? By the way, she's not cute and cheruby like she used to be. She's kind of chunky now. I she was know. never cute. She was never cute. She was an she ugly was little always, kid. Well, she, yeah, but she was kind of chipmunky, and now she's not chipmunky. Now she's more beaverish i don't know anyway um i don't think you can sell credit thunberg like you used to and the fact that she's now like pro-palestinian and it's like there's certain things you shouldn't talk about you'd be you like you're a better freaking spokesperson for the idiot climate change movement when you're not for the idiot freaking gazan hamas movement but it's all the same the black lives well it is all the same and but the interesting thing is and i think what's true is that people are increasingly fed up and they've had it now see i mean i don't like i don't know that it's like oh 2024 is going to be some magical year because i I think people are fed up with the republican party and we deliberately chose not to talk about the speaker of the house thing this week largely because it's fluid and dynamic but also because both of us are disgusted by the thing and like maybe we'll evaluate it when it's finally over Republican Party's not in a position to take advantage of what's going on in the country. But what's going on in the country is that people are fed up and they've had it and they don't want to put up with it anymore. And the first person that offers, you know, a different way that is sensible and, you know, is is of value. Controls the future in this country and we're not there yet. I don't know who it's going to be or what it's going to be or whatever. And it may take a while to get there and things will get worse and worse as, as we wait. But the first actual leader that has some smart ideas, that can do some things. I think everything falls to him, like just on a silver platter because everybody's fed up and we're done. And the status quo doesn't work. And that's it. Mm. Okay. I think we're done, Melissa. I think, I we, think we're, we're done. done. We do. We have solved the world's problems, <laughs> and uh, you know, I think we're all we're we're all done. Um, I, I'd like everybody to. We're trying. Give us feedback. We are trying to shorten our podcast. Tell us. I, I'm curious about what you think the ideal length is. All of you who listen, 
you know, do you like it shorter? Do you like it longer? What do you like? And um, we will be responsive to your feedback. And if it's only two of you, you're going to have a big say. So, you know, like and share this podcast, please. And uh, tell your friends and family and all the things. Um, we're also going to be um, sharing because of YouTube's algorithm. We're going to be cutting off the first bit of it. And then for the rest of the podcast, you can get it at Rumble or Twitter, wherever free speech is allowed. YouTube is not a free speech platform anymore. And so just know that we appreciate you jumping. If you did find us on YouTube, jumping over to um, to Rumble or to Twitter to hear the whole thing. Um, so thank you for joining us. Thank you, Scott. This was a good one. I appreciate it. And we'll see you all next week. Mm -hmm.